There we go. Oh. Who thought counting could be cool? Here we go. Join Andrew Wong and Brad Domingo. Our mission, make accounting fun. Follow us as we chat with amazing guests every Friday. Are you ready? Woohoo! Woohoo! It's, uh, it's Friday night and we are back. I am live from the Great White North. Uh, up in the cottage, and we have another amazing guest with us this week. Uh, Damien's joining us all the way from Sydney, Australia. From the future. From the future. From the future. Yeah, unfortunately, guys, the weather in the future is not very nice, right? <laughs> yeah, well, I, I, I apparently know, Saturday at, afternoon surf, in Sydney. <laughs> looking at your Sorry. surfboard there, Andrew, and I'm, I'm quite jealous because, uh, yeah, I've got my slippers on, sweaters on. Uh, it's, a, it's a rainy day down here in Sydney, but... Not a bad place to be in the world. How are you guys? Wonderful to see you. Wonderful to see yeah, you. Yeah, it's great to see you. It's been too too long, too long. I think probably the last place I saw you was probably San Jose. Um, so we got lots to catch up on, and I'd love to hear. Yeah, yeah. We, you know, what you've been up to over the last uh, couple of years, and yeah, what's what's on the horizon for you? Um, yeah, yeah. So, that just sounds weird to say the last couple of years because we come oh. from this world where we're so used to seeing each other what, a couple times a year, maybe at least once a year. It just sounds odd. Yeah, it, 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 it's just been a weird 18 months. I, I, I keep rounding up to 18 months, although I think it's only about 15 <laughs> months, but I, I just keep rounding up. But no, it's been uh, it's been amazing. Um, we've, uh, as you know, we, we've moved back to Australia. So after 15 years of, of being stateside and um, eight years in, in San Francisco, uh, two years in Reno, Nevada of all places and five years in, in uh, Washington DC with Receipt Bank, now Dext, um, we, uh, my wife and I decided to head back down under. Uh, she's from California and decided that it's sort of a good opportunity for her to, to experience what it's like in Australia. Little did we know that a global pandemic would then strike. Yeah, and um, you'd be locked on the island for the next yeah. couple of years, whether you like it or not. <laughs> for the next couple of yeah, exactly. And, and we just don't know what's um, what what the the when we can leave the island. Yeah, it seems quite strange. It's sort of like Survivor, but but actually yeah. Survivor without a pandemic, it's quite yeah, nice. Yeah, and you can't get voted off. <laughs> no, exactly, yeah, you, you can't, to... yeah. You... Well, you sort of do. You can get, you know, like you guys in Australia have your lockdowns. That's kind of like getting voted off for a while. <laughs> yeah, we had two cases. You're voted we had... here. We had two cases and the city locks, and the, and the, the, the city locks down. It's insane. <laughs> Wow. You guys were locked down for like months on end, right? Uh, it depends where you are. So Melbourne, they, they, they've had quite oh, strict right. lockdown. We, where I am in Manly, Northern Beaches of Sydney, over Christmas, we got locked down for, for seven days. And, you know, lockdown means that you can still go to the shops, you can still get out and run, you can still get out and go for a surf. You just, you, you, the, the restaurants and, and opportunities for you to interact are, uh, eliminated so to speak so lockdown it's not the worst thing by any means for for northern beaches but certainly friends in melbourne um that they've had their fourth 
seven day lockdown, uh, 14 day lockdown, and, and that's miserable. But for us, it's it's pretty good. You know, there's there's no there's no coronavirus here. Um, I think the big thing is we're just itching to get back out again. You know, would love to get back to the US and Canada and see some friends would love friends and family to be able to come out here. But just at the moment, um, we don't see when that's possibly going to happen for us, which is a shame. It's such a because uh, Australia just does have such a unique way in which they've chosen to handle this, which is understandable, right? Because they have the benefit of being an island and be just being like, no, we're shutting borders. No one's coming in. It's not getting into our uh, country. Although apparently it's still, you know, two cases sneaking their way in. Yeah. And, you know, it, and, and it's, it comes in on, on flights and it's in our hotel quarantine system. And then, then, you know, no surprises every now and then something escapes uh, with the drivers, the hotel workers and all that type of stuff. It happens uh, and that's okay. But, but, but the really frustrating thing is that because there isn't the coronavirus here, there isn't the urgency to get the vaccine. Yeah. Um, and, and also, you know, that the stuff about AstraZeneca and, and everything there, it's like mm. six people in 6 million have got, have, 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 which is obviously terrible. Yeah. Don't, don't get me wrong. And I would hate for, for anyone to think that I'm sort of um, minimizing it, but statistically, the likelihood of something happening is so minimal. Like you'll get, you, there's more likely you'll get hit by a bus walking down uh, to catch the ferry or something. So I, that's the, that's the offside of it is just the take up of the vaccine has been really slow. I got my first Pfizer vaccine last Monday and I'll get the next one in a couple of weeks. And so I think that's the, the real um, frustrating bit is, is we don't know when things will open up but we're also not going out and, and getting the, the vaccine. And Brad, I know you, uh, you've got both doses of the AstraZeneca mm -hmm. and whatnot, so. Well, actually, uh, we, I have a, I'm kind of a mutt. We, uh, <laughs> I had AstraZeneca, my wife and I, first shot, mm -hmm. but then they announced that we could have anything we want for the second shot. So oh. there's a lot of Pfizer around, so I had Pfizer. And actually, studies out of the UK have shown that that's a really potent combination. They work really well together. <laughs> so what do you know, right? They're saying it's actually it's like a more you want Red Bull. <laughs> I guess so, like like we were saying. So um, whatever, you know, I got the second dose. I, I, I wanted to, you know, getting some Pfizer is better than none, I guess. And um, yeah. yeah, I'm feeling my wife just had her second shot yesterday. Um, it's got a bit of symptom today. So she's a little little tired, but otherwise she's she's excited to be done. So we got, you know, they have, two week period now um i've got eight days to go and then mm -hmm. then what <laughs> you know? Yeah. I know where can i go but, i gotta go stand seems... outside probably not to a bruce springsteen concert well, well there's a lot well, of things you still can't do but here in alberta yeah, what's the canadian they... situation well in alberta it's all done at the provincial level and i know down there do you have states or provinces i can't remember we got states down here yeah. yeah okay so it's the thing that makes australia unique and i from what i understand is each state is managing it their own way and yeah. that's kind of what we're doing here. Provincially, it's all handled um, separately. So here in Alberta, we've been all over the map. We've been up and down. Our um, premier can't win both sides of the political divide. He's a conservative premier, and he's getting hammered from both sides. But he's been screwing up a bit. So now he's decided that we're going to open up full on on Canada Day, which is, what, two weeks, Andrew? July 1? Yeah, yeah. Um, we're going to be open just about and then two weeks after that we're going full bore into the summer all restrictions drop so there's some people absolutely freaking out but we have 70 percent 
that have the first dose here. And that was the number yeah. they'd been working towards. So 70% with the first, that means they're going to be, follow, a lot of them will be following up with their second. So we'll have a pretty good coverage here, but who knows? We're still all learning this on the fly, right? Yeah, yeah, pretty much. But that, but that's nice that you, you, you've at least got to something on the horizon, but you've also done the hard work of getting that vaccine into people's arms and, and mm -hmm. hopefully some level of normalcy will return again. We've been I lucky. I don't think it's possible. People are permanently transformed. You know, yeah. it's not even just obviously physical, but it's like mentally people are just different now. And my province is, it has a bit of a, a polarity to it. Let's just say we have no sort of centrist politics. You're either on the right or the left. And if you try and be in the middle, you just get bombarded from both sides. That's where I hide, um, well, I, duck down and, and I don't let anyone know who I vote for. <laughs> well, I do tend to agree that it'll never, uh, you know, the world will never be the same. We'll never go back yeah. to nine to five grind the way we uh, we have seen mm -hmm. in, in the past. Uh, but what was amazing is so in in uh, Ontario, we had been locked down and we couldn't even like I couldn't even go to the store and buy underwear. And I would joke about it like uh, it, it was it, but it was frustrating. And only, you know, last weekend had they opened things up again that we can now shop. Um, and we went I, this was the first time. So it was my sister's birthday this week. And just last night, I went out for dinner for the first time in like eight months to mm. a restaurant and then out to a patio to have a few drinks. And it was like, you get that sense of like, no, wait, we're, the world is coming back to some sense of normalcy. And I think the way we work is definitely going to be changed. Um, and I think that people's, um, when they come out of this, what's important to people is going to be changing. I think a lot more, everything's going to be about experiences. We, you know, I've had this conversation with uh, my sisters and my family about like, well, now that things are opening up, what are we going to do? What's the most important thing? It's about, you know, getting together with family, traveling, having experiences. Um, so I think this experience economy is really just going to go full throttle post COVID. Um, and we're going to see maybe a real live, you know, work-life balance that people, uh, you know, always talked about, you know, but no one ever actually lived up to uh, until now, as I literally hear kids diving in the water. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think you're right, Andrew, the whole experience thing. Uh, today on the news, I heard that uh, this was the U.S. news. They were talking about a lot of the parks down there and you know the parks the national parks in, the, in america are beautiful they got a lot mm. of really cool ones and so they're usually busy there's no doubt about it they're they're busy throughout the year but they're way busier right now like way busier they're filling up quicker parking lots are, are jam-packed people are already coming out like crazy and who would have thought that was possible at the start of the pandemic when the u.s just seemed so out of control and now yeah. You know they're 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 getting eighteen thousand people to a bit to a hockey game the other night. I saw a Stanley Cup playoff game and and baseball and all the sporting events have you know fuller and fuller crowds all the time. And it don't there don't seem to be adverse effects yet. So so far so good. Um, I'd rather them be the guinea pigs right now and see how it goes. And I guess we just need to follow. And I think the Australian experience. I think you're going to benefit like eventually by being conservative as a country, you're going to come out in much more um, solid shape than a lot of countries will, because you have the yeah, foundation. And, and I That's think to your, point of, 
being the guinea pigs, we can sort of see what's happening in the UK. They've had good sort of penetration of, of the um, of the vaccine. They're opening up. So it'll be interesting to see how they um, how they sort of uh, how they open up and, and what happens there as well. But back to Andrew's point, you know, I, I sort of whacked up this um, this background here. Um, the, the night while I'm itching to get out and get back to, to see family and friends in North America, the, the really nice thing is actually taking a bit of time to appreciate what's in your own backyard. So my yeah. sister, she lives in Alice Springs, which is bang in the middle of the, of the country. We, we went out there and spent a week with her, went out to Uluru or Ayers Rock. And this is one of the, one of the most beautiful places in the world. That for, rock for, is amazing. Anyway. And so this is a this is a um, a gorge um, about an hour hour and a half outside of my sister's place in Alice Springs. Yes, we would have gotten out there, but but this I think it really does give us the opportunity to appreciate what's what's in your backyard, um, and and actually learn more, learn more about the the the, the flora and fauna out there, learn more about the indigenous folks that that have sort of roamed that part of the world for for forty thousand years, and it is one of the 40, most thousand. Yeah, it's one of the oldest civilizations in the world. Wow, it's quite amazing. That is, that is um, ancient. I used to study sort of ancient history, and yeah, forty thousand is almost caveman. <laughs> and and the, the, the amazing, it is, it is desert. It is one of the harshest environments in the world. But look what's over my shoulder there, out of out of one of the gorges. It's this flourishing of life in the middle of nowhere. It's amazing. So I think and you again, didn't you know did, that before mm, the pandemic. No, and you sort of seen the pictures, but just to get out there and experience it, and and to your point, Andrew, it's it is about that experience, and I've got to imagine you've got some pretty spectacular places in your own backyards um, that you can get out and explore. Absolutely, and you and just I, bought I a trailer. Yeah, well, I tried <laughs> to. That's, that's the one thing I won't. I won't even get it. It's now been pushed back all the way till September. Oh, um, surprise, yeah. surprise. Been around them, has that? <laughs> not, I'm not yes. the only one who wants to live this experience economy, right? So everyone's trying to buy an RV and, and run around <laughs> and explore their local, you know, province or states. It's definitely, I think that, and even just appreciating your own, like, property and, you know, working on your house and making it nicer and enjoying the space that you live in. Um, I think that that's, it's, it's changed us in ways that can be really positive. Uh, but I guess the one thing I'm I'm really curious about because you've been in this in this industry for a long time and you know this and you're now down and back down in Australia, which many of us in the accounting community look to Australia as the leaders of you know the digital revolution when it comes to the cloud accounting or or the accounting workspace. And I wonder, from your perspective and your own two cents, what what changes has COVID brought? To the accounting and bookkeeping world that are things that are we we do differently now um, that we will embrace and take out of COVID and continue to um, see flourish post-COVID world um, or what's what's it maybe inspired us to want to change? I think there's been an element at the end of the day um, I've always said yes Australia and Australia New Zealand very much at the forefront of that technology cloud adoption but my my sort of feeling um, certainly living in the United States was that, that the US and Canada will catch up pretty quickly and in terms of the advances that are coming out whether it's Australia US Canada the UK I've, I I do feel as though the US Canada has caught up um, to Australia um, but also 
in, in terms of that early adoption, early adoptive um, group of people of, of that accounting ilk, I, I think the, the most important thing to come out of COVID and, and what's happened is th that, that early majority and late majority, we've been banging on about this for so long that now they've recognised, oh no, we actually need to, we actually need to do this. Um, and, and so I think it's really shunted the, the industry and the profession um, whereas, so rather than us standing on a stage and banging on about all of these things, the actual macro environment has forced the, the, the industry forward. And so I think that's a really positive thing because I think ultimately what that means is it, it really opens us all up to be much more innovative in the way that we're, the way that we're working. So rather than this small group of people being the innovators, uh, there's a there's a lot more people now thinking about this and and I, I just think it means we will change the way we work at the end of the day um, and, and actually I was lucky enough to go to the uh, Australian Accountancy Awards last night the night of nights uh, which was really great fun but at the end of the day uh, and, and the same was in Canada the same was in the US as in Australia accountants were working 100 hour weeks during the pandemic to help to help their clients, to help understand. So it's not like this work-life balance because they were working their butts off to, to help their clients, but they were working their butts off in, in their homes, in, in, in sort of in, in much better environments, in, in much more flexible working environments. So the accounting profession is still gonna work incredibly hard because the governments, <laughs> they're gonna create this, this, all this legislation that it's up to you guys to, to interpret and help clients actually understand what the hell that means. But if we can do it in slippers and sweats and, and, and sort of around the rest of our life, then I think, I think we'll all be better for it. So I, I'm not sure if I answered your question there, Andrew, in terms of what are the big takeaways, because at the end of the day, the government comes up with tax legislation and, and then it's up to the accountants to make sense of it and, and then communicate that to the clients. So that I hate to say it, there's still going to be hundred hour work weeks, but it's probably going to be a different type of work. It's not going to be bashing keys. It, it's going to be a much, much higher level knowledge work um, that I, that I think is, is, which I think is much more interesting. And I, and I think can be done from the, um, North Ontario can be done from Alice Springs can be done uh, from a from a uh, uh, an RV. Yeah, and and I think what's also so amazing is you're absolutely right. I mean, all these different regulations that came into play, they didn't give us work life balance, right? We worked our asses yeah. off, <laughs> um, and 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 we were as confused as everyone else trying to figure out what the hell, how do we make sense of this stuff? How do we figure it out for our clients? It was, it was a nightmare of a year or a nightmare of 18 months for, for a lot of us. But I think one of the things that I loved seeing come out of this was seeing our community thrive in a supportive, collaborative way. Like the way that accountants shared knowledge mm -hmm. is something that I think is, is um, unbelievable because certainly yeah. when I started my career in the accounting world, the concept of one accounting firm showing another accounting firm how to how to process any sort of government subsidy. Be more efficient and be more effective at, at it. Yeah, exactly. Right? And, but yet people were sharing, hey, this is how this works. This is what I think you should do. This is where it's not going to work. You know, people putting together 
um, you know, uh, communication with the government to make sure the government was aware of like these loopholes that they left and the collaboration and the way that we work together as a community um, was incredible. And I, I think that that's something that is here to stay um, post COVID yeah. and, and it's growing. always been there though, Andrew, if you think it's, about it, our community is very there. sharing, but it was for me personally, because I don't, I'm not a, I, I'm not a public practice practitioner, but through like my Facebook group or uh, the Facebook group, get into it. I just sat there and watched in awe as the community came together They asked questions and people had answers and people solved problems together on how they needed to, to resolve sure, this. And it's still coming out. Yeah. You know, the forgivable loans. And just yesterday, somebody was asking, I love it because I've got to learn from it. So when people come to me and ask me questions, I, rather than looking really stupid, I just say, oh, go get the answers and get into it or ask so-and-so. They're, they're experts in this area, which is- well, And you also and, become an expert fun. just by being in the group, yeah. seeing the chats pop up in your feed, right? You're yeah. like, you're, you're, the beauty of it is, is you're getting to ask questions and get the answers to questions you didn't know you needed to ask. Mm -hmm. And I think that that is really cool. And I think the other side of it, and I think this is actually helping the sort of propagation of these uh, of best practice and sharing and particularly uh, cloud adoption is, I, I think typically previously, um, that happened, that networking and, and the development of your network happened at physical events, didn't it? Because it, it was the, the Cubinet, the Cubi Connect crew and, 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 and it was, it, it was sort of the in crowd, so to speak. Um, and, and that's probably something. And scaling new heights, is, Damien. Yeah. Remember? Yeah, scaling uh, new heights. I, I, I saved your and, butt there when your, uh, your laptop died that, on you. Remember that? That's right. Yeah. During that presentation. Yeah. yeah. And I was that's like, my only slide, scaling please, right? heights. You're like slide. calmly sitting yeah, there. Yeah ready to throw your laptop through the wall. And I said, hey, you want to use mine? That was good. Yeah. And and the, the good news is I could fill 50 minutes pretty. <laughs> give me a microphone and I could fill 50 minutes. But yeah, um, you did a great but, job. But, but that was typically reserved for the people that did go to those physical events. Mm -hmm. And that's how you developed your network of your like-minded people. Whereas now um this is has sort of expanded exponentially and, and i think most importantly has exposed that early majority that late majority to this enormous wealth of knowledge that i don't think they even knew was out there i mean you think about it two thousand people showed up to two thousand accountants showed up to a quickbooks connect of the potential hundred and fifty thousand in the u.s a thousand from canada out of the thirty thousand um uh, potential in canada so and the last virtual conference in Canada, over 10,000, 10,000 people registered for the virtual conference. So, so I think this is, this is great. And I think again, back to your point, Andrew, it, it what will the future of events look like? It, it will be about that experience. Um, I'm not going to rock up to some dank little, um, uh, hotel um, <laughs> Holiday Inn Express or something to sit in a room for, for six hours of CPE. It, it really will be about... Done it. I, I'm going to... Yeah, I've done, been yeah. there, done that. Um, I, I, I'm going to choose these events that are going to be experiential are going to help transform my business. And so I think that's, that's again, that's exciting. And, and certainly as someone that's working on that software side, it is really exciting to be a part of and hopefully sh help shape for, for customers and, and, um, and future customers around the world.
Yeah. And what about on the, on the software side? I mean, this collaboration that we're talking about account between accountants seems to also be going on between apps now, as we're starting to see the apps collaborate with each other and, and synergize and create partners and, or mergers and acquisitions. Um, you know, what are your thoughts on that? And like, what would you like to see? Like if you could see two apps partner together and create a, a <laughs> synergy. That's a loaded question. <laughs> a loaded question. What, what, what would be the two apps and why should they synergize together? Oh my goodness. I don't know what the answer to that one would be. Um, let me, let me keep thinking on that while I sort of answer the other side of things around the integration. I think what's interesting is the, um, is, is the sort of things that open up as a result of something like Zapier or Zapier. I think that's really interesting that previously it, it used to, it had to be that direct integration. Uh, but now what you can do is you can actually run a test through say something like a Zapier to see if this makes sense. Um, you know, I, I remember we would at, at Receipt Bank, we would do, we would talk about all these uh, talk about these integrations and and some of them would progress so others wouldn't because there was no real way to to get an mvp out the door really quickly whereas with something like zapier you can actually it i can sit there and talk to another app and wouldn't it be great that we do this wouldn't it be great that we do that and and then get the devs inside get the product people whereas now you can just say look let's knock up something on zapier and see if see if there's an appetite in the marketplace so i think it does allow us to be much more nimble uh, on that front, um, but I'm not quite sure. I, I I must admit I've sort of taken uh, in in the last five months I've sort of taken a step back um, from the tech space um, and and just sort of enjoyed a bit of peace and quiet actually and just enjoyed the opportunity to recharge and read and um, do some some of those projects around the house. So I'm not quite sure what my ideal relationship partnership would be but it it, it it seems as as i sort of think about it it's, it's becoming more and more the, the speed with which things are happening and and these relationships are growing and these acquisitions are taking place um it, it's on and it's it's accelerating now damien you yeah. and i uh, met uh had a little zoom catch up about a month ago at three weeks ago a month ago and yeah. we we talked about um Obviously, um, you had gone home and, and you, you worked with uh, practice ignition for a little bit, but now you're, yep. you're doing some interesting things um, on that consulting side you and I were talking about. Um, what, how's that going? Like, I know it's a, kind of a work in progress, but you, you've been talking to some firms down there and with the wealth of experience you bring to the table with all your knowledge from up here in North America, how's that going? Yeah, it's sort of interesting. You, you, you sort of switch off and I won't say go off the grid, but you, you sort of um, switch off a little bit. And at, at when you start to switch yourself back on, it's, it's interesting where the, the introductions and everything come from. And, and um, again, just being in this space for, for as long as I have, it's, it's been lovely that people have been reaching out just to be like, hey, Damien, there's this app that's in, in real estate helping landlords um that 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 need need help managing their properties the one and two type properties um can you help them can you give them insights into what the american landscape's like what it's like to work with accountants so i think there's there's some really exciting again quite specialist quite niche apps that do help solve the problem um lumi iq the guys uh, out of canada actually really interesting um really interesting 
work that they're doing to try and bring a fresh spin on yeah. CPE? Um, and how do you how do you really uh, do exciting? Exciting might not be the word. Exciting CPE, but how do you do meaningful? <laughs> it can be meaningful. Yeah, yeah exactly. Experiential, right? Like that's that's again, they're they're leaning towards that. Hey, this this PD needs to be not just sitting in a classroom for six hours, absorbing yeah. a bunch of content or not absorbing a bunch of content that you'll never use because you have to because you're obligated to do it. To this being an experience that you walk away from going, one, it was fun, and I enjoyed yep. it. And two, it's actually given me something tangible and useful that I'll actually implement into my business in a meaningful way, right? And I think that- And, and I, I, yeah, I signed up um, and, you know, I'm, I'm not looking at the Canadian tax code and all that type of stuff, but there's some really interesting stuff on fraud. There's some amazing, again, there's some amazing case studies and some amazing people, sort of this fraud side of things. And if I was a, in the US, there's a certified fraud examiner um, accreditation that if, if I was- in that sort in that niche um and actually it's really nice that i can now come back to calling it a niche rather than a niche um from yeah, the United States, but, the States, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but but um but but if i was in that fraud realm this would be fantastic it'd be really interesting to learn about the practical application so i think lumi iq they're doing some great stuff that landlord studio is again it's just this app for for real estate but but obviously um there's a connection there for accountants because doing the accounting of those clients that have uh, investment properties is a nightmare because a bit, bit similar to the, the problem that Receipt Bank solved, um, that whole paperwork and managing all of that is, is an absolute nightmare. And they've come laser focused on that. So yes, you can do a QuickBooks or yes, you can do a spreadsheet, but for 10 bucks a month, there's some really interesting apps out there that are, that are solving that problem and, and then connecting them with accountants. Because I know certainly in the US, that Schedule E, um, that can be a huge time suck uh, for an accounting firm, which something which costs $10 a month can make the world a difference. The one area that I am seeing in the accounting space, and just the last one, is really practice management. That seems to wow. be the, the explosion at the moment. And, and, and whether you're looking at Pixie, Jetpack, um, practice ignition and what, and everyone does something slightly different. Um, but it's, so it's really interesting to see how folks are, are, are dismantling this idea of practice management um, and, 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 and really laser focused on workflow, task management, document management. Uh, so that's been, I think, quite interesting in that accounting space. What do you know about yeah, Lucio? I'm, I'm, They're good friends of of, of the show. Uh, Chris is Chris is one of the smartest people I know, um, and every time he I is. speak with Chris, I I always learn something, um, and and so I he he was someone that I always looked up to um, as a as both a both from his experience within the industry in the accounting space as an accountant, but then also as a tech leader. Um, and then also, you know, Claire Milligan, who used to work with him at, um, uh, at Tally. Um, and then obviously bringing on, on Amy, he, he surrounds himself self with brilliant people. And uh, Al's involved there now too, yeah, right? Yeah. So yeah. That wealth of experience. He just, values community just so you know he was on uh what three three four weeks ago we had him as a guest he was he was exceptional we hardly talked about apps all night we talk about sleep <laughs> good sleep and and 
and wearable devices. He, he, he was fascinating though. He had a lot of really interesting insight into just life in general. And uh, yeah, it was a lot of fun. We, uh, Andrew is actually, as he doing a webinar, we'll plug that webinar a bit, Andrew. Um, I just, I just posted about it on Twitter about an hour ago. Yeah. I, I retweeted Lysio's tweet and there's a big picture of Andrew there. And you're doing a yeah, you, you're doing a webinar. Are you literally by the campfire? Because I can see the bugs and all <laughs> that the stuff. Bugs are everywhere. <laughs> the problem is yeah. we turn on lights down here and they all fly towards the light. Right? So I, 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 I may have to go dark soon because I'm like I'm actually having to move back away <laughs> from the light because they're just like swarming. It's getting like you sh- I I gotta send you a picture after this of my computer. The screen on my computer is just covered in bugs right now. <laughs> the good news is they're not biting. They're just annoying as hell. Um, see if you swallow one. <laughs> yeah, Sorry, I didn't mean it yet about the see, webinar. Yeah. Because there's bugs everywhere. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm actually, I you know, when I met Chris, um, I was like, I, I was blown away. It was just, you You can just, you instantly, you know, when you when you see these people in the, in the community that have a vision, um, for a, a better future um, for the world and, and well, and, and for the accounting environment, at least maybe not the world. Um, but the, his whole approach to, you know, um, how he runs his own business and how he runs his practice um, and, and this, this concept of the customer experience 2.0 um, and just how do we get the most out of, you know, our own team and, 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 our, and then enable them to deliver a great experience uh, to our customers really did inspire me. And he was on and we were talking about, you know, breaking things into time blocks and um, how, how people can be pr- really productive for an hour and a half. But if you send them an email in the middle of their hour and a half thing, you know, that's yeah. 25 minutes, just instantly destroying their productivity. Yeah. And I think that, you know, it's the two things that you really hit on, hit the nail on that are, to me, where I'm focusing my time and energy over the next couple of years is practice management. Bang on, um, that's that's top of importance to me. And and I've built everything out in a CRM, customized, built everything myself um, in in a in a CRM that had workflow automation. And I'm now looking around. I'm looking at Senta and I'm looking at Carbon and I'm looking at these different um, CRMs. And they've like CRMs or, or practice management tools, whatever you want. Uh, and they've come light years ahead from when I, I remember sitting with carbon five years ago and like, it was, it was, it was nowhere near where it is today. I like, I remember looking at it going like you actually, this is definitely minimum viable product. <laughs> um, and now to see what they've come up with is, is revolutionary. And I think what the key is with all of these tools, or, or at least all the ones that I'm interested in that I think are any good is they, they have focused it around workflow. And recognize that as accountants, we all have, even though we we all do fundamentally the same thing, we all have our unique ways of doing it. And we want our workflows to be customized for our firm in the way that we do them. Even though we're all filing tax returns and we all have to ask clients for bank statements and stuff like that, we want to have our own little custom ways. Mm -hmm. We don't want to buy an off-the-shelf product and force our business to adapt to their workflow. We want the software that we buy to adapt to our workflows. Um, And it's definitely, so workflow, practice management, um, and customer experience are my three focuses right now. Um, And so I've I've bought in heavy with with Lysio and we're rolling that out. Um, And and to me, again, like 
where I, the reason that I bought into Lysio isn't even so much for where the product is at today. It was the vision of where the product is going. Yeah. And it was, to be honest, as much as it was for anything, it was Chris. I bought Chris. I didn't buy Lysio. Mm. Right. I was like, this guy is, this guy is going to be a massive success. He has the right vision. And he right already market. has been, this is yeah. his second tally. Yeah, right. This is his, third, yeah. actually. Yeah. 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 It's a it's serial pretty, entrepreneur in the classic sense. And it's, it's like anything, right? You have to invest your time and energy in the products and people that you believe are going to win because there are a million and one apps out there. Right. And, and we cannot become experts in every one of them. So we're going to have to pick our app stack or whatever you want to call it. Um, and we're going to have to invest time, energy, and money to become experts in these tools um, and, and, and hope we pick the right ones. And of course, if we don't pick the right ones, have the courage and, and the fortitude to know when to fold it, fold our, our hand, right? Because I think one of the things that can happen um, is that you feel like you, you've, you've gone so deep in a product, like with me, with Infusionsoft, right? I built so much into this um, system and technology. I was like, for a period of time, I was like, I am never, I'm not changing practice management tools. I built so much into this. And then I actually started stepping back and, I'm, and I realized, you know what? The, what, all the time and energy I built into this was about indirectly systems and workflow. It's not a, like I happened to implement them in Infusionsoft, but I built systems and workflows for my practice that in theory, mm -hmm. I can take that workflow. And yes, I may have to you know bring in some people for a short project to have those converted into whatever the tool is, but all the tools give me some form of workflow automation. So there's no reason I couldn't take that same um workflows that I built for my business and run them into a different application. And I think we have to not be afraid to, to, um, to jump ship. And it was funny. We were on a, we were on a, uh, um, a clubhouse with Hector and we were talking about the stickiness of like things like QBO, right. And how they're, you know, they raise the price 30% every three months or whatever it is, you know, and, <laughs> and yet, you know, people stick with the product and he's like, well, at what point, um, do you jump over, um, uh, over price? And I think everyone was sort of like, well, you don't really jump over price. You jump over, you jump products over functionality, mm. uh, right? Features. Uh, yeah. It really has to do with how much the time savings, the cost savings, the but efficiency gains. I think in this app world, um, we have to invest time and energy, but we have to be fully prepared to jump ship and to be if they're if they if if they're if the product you're on gets leapfrogged by someone else, you have to be fully prepared to say, you know what, that's a sunk cost. Just like mm -hmm. I would advise my clients that that money's come and gone, it doesn't mean that you should continue down that same path just because you've spent the money or the time or the energy on it. You need to go cross, you've actually got and figures cross you've actually got a return on it in, in that period of time that you were using yeah. it. So it might be two years, might be three years, but fingers crossed you've got a nice little return on that in that time. So yeah. don't think of it, yes, some costs, but also you've probably realized some gains. Yes, absolutely. And 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 yeah, it was an investment and in, and you hopefully got your return on that investment. Uh, but you 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 can be prepared to try a different product. Um, and quite frankly, you also should be. 
And I think I think what we what an, we don't do enough, what I don't do enough of, is uh, pushing myself out of my comfort zone. Um, right when I when I have something that I think is uh, working great, I'm like, okay, I don't need to I don't need to worry about that. I've I've got practice management. Yeah. It's, I, I don't need to worry mm-hmm. about it. I've got that under under lock and key. Um, but then actually, when I I lift my head up, and then I go and I actually start demoing carbon again because I hadn't looked at it for four or five years. And I look at, wow, they, they've come a long way. And because they're industry focused, they built some stuff into their tools that I hadn't built into mine. Just I hadn't thought about them yet or, or, or for whatever reason. And I think it's, it's really important for us to every once in a while, uh, no matter how deep we are with a product, I don't care whether it's, it's, QBO, it's a receipt bank, it's uh, carbon, it's it's. Uh, Is that a shot of me? Uh, no, it's not. No, I mean, but that's okay. I mean, I, I'm into the green and orange. Everyone knows that. Can you imagine, you know, me giving up on one of those brands? And for those of you who don't know, I, um, you know, back in the day, it was HubDoc versus Receipt Bank. HubDoc versus Receipt Bank. HubDoc is the Canadian upstart Receipt Bank, or those guys in orange that just were all over the place at the conferences. So. My first conference, I walked in and I, I hung out with, with Jamie and uh, Jamie Showman and, and everything. And it was Damien and I had a conversation one day. Nothing against HubDoc. I love the, I love the crew there. But um, it was Damien that brought me into that receipt bank world. And I've been, you know, rabid since. So I agree with what you're saying about stickiness because there's some apps that you got to say, look, this, is, this isn't bringing me where I want to go. I've used it for a while. And, and sometimes you get to say there's better apps out there. To me, there's not a better app out there than Dext for, for what I use it for and for what my clients use it for. We all know about the, the competition, um, HubDoc and auto, um, auto entry and stuff like that. And they all have their favorites and yeah. some people are detractors, whatever. I just tell people use something that you're comfortable with. So stickiness, I think you got to be careful with because one affliction we have in our community internationally, it's the Aussies, it's the Brits, it's the Americans, it's the Canadians is that we get shiny um, toy syndrome. We see something new and we got to try it. We got to try it. And then everyone's trying it and everyone's getting all excited about it. And there's just too much talk about it. You know, you got to make a decision. And once you go down that path, you got to be comfortable with it. You got to learn to say, yeah, I'm pretty good with what I chose because if you're spending your whole day evaluating apps and you're trying to put an app into every single problem you're trying to solve, then we, you get app overload, right? So it's that fine line. What I'm trying to do right now, and I'd love your, both your guys' thoughts on this, is I'm actually trying to systemize how I approach um, my, um, the way I, I test out, evaluate, and implement apps. And what I'm sort of saying to myself- Go to workflow watering, watering hole and ask Kelly. Yeah, ask yeah. but sort of, sort of what I've come to is that my, because um, for, for me- and probably a lot of people in the accounting world, at least up here in Canada, uh, our time frame is you know we're 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 busy. Obviously, April thirtieth is our tax deadline. Then June fifteenth for sole props, and then uh, June thirtieth is another big deadline because a lot of people have December year ends, and the six month deadline is December. But after June, it really it really slows right down for the summer, um, and then begins ramping back up in the fall. Um, so this is our time to sort of evaluate and 
look at different uh, tools. And sort of what I'm coming up with is uh, my, my plan is that here, I want to roll out three new apps. That's going to be my, my plan. And, and to be honest, what my goal is, is whether I need them or not, the company needs to roll out and implement and test run three new apps to help improve their uh, effectiveness. And basically we'll have over the summer months to migrate, test and play with um, and implement roll out three new apps per year. And it, it will never be more than three apps and it will never be less than three apps. Um, and I know it's a bit of a completely arbitrary number. Yeah. Um, um, <laughs> it, it's a totally arbitrary number, but I, three is my favorite number. Um, but I think that I, I, in my experience, you can't really effectively roll out more than three apps in a year. I think even I, three, I would agree. I, I would agree on not rolling out more than more than three things, or trying to do implement three things in in a year, and or keeping that list small. But I don't know. I to me that's it, it's it's I, I have to roll out three. Absolutely, get out and test three to five. Absolutely, but so but it this idea mean of have to stick. I have to. Oh uh, right, have, okay, okay. So you'll have at and, least evaluate them and, and give it a me, good shot. Evaluating means I got to put them into production. I've got to test them, right? Like in in real world. Now I may test them and then go. You know what? It didn't work. It wasn't what we thought it was. It wasn't going to deliver what it was. And I've done that before. I've ro I've rolled out tools and products that I thought were going to be great solutions, and they didn't work. Um, and the, so you, the one th the one thing that is really important to come out of that though, um, Andrew, is that that the you, you've actually um you 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 built this culture within the firm of change yes and i think and that, that's what's most important is is that it is absolutely um that that it is now part of the culture that we that we are we are not change averse which i think is what happens in a lot of accounting firms so yeah. i really like that that we embrace change and we're always looking for change um, so, so I think that would be the, the biggest plus to come out of that type of a strategy and, and whether it is, you know, if, if something's not working, um, and you have to change it, that's okay. It's not a sunk cost because actually the team's comfortable with change, comfortable with talking to clients about change. So I think that's a massive plus to come out of that type of a strategy. But I, I, we, I, I just wonder if, if sort of change for the sake of change is, <laughs> you, I'll tell you why say change for the sake it, it's that it's it, that exact reason why change for the sake of change is important to me and my firm because I I yeah I have a legacy firm right my father founded this firm yeah and we came from a firm that didn't like change um and and I absolutely want change to be part of the culture and I want everyone like yeah. I want if I'm hit by a bus um and my you know second in command has to step up and run the firm that they know that the, the status quo is we're not going to just stick with what Andrew set up and developed while Andrew's in the hospital for six months. We're constantly going to be looking at how do we become a better firm? We're constantly striving for improvement and how can we make the firm a better place? And we're also comfortable with making, taking risk and, and, and have a process for how do we evaluate if something is actually successful? Did it work? Did like we've set goals we set metrics and if we, and we have a way of evaluating whether we've achieved those metrics. And this becomes, like you said, part of the culture of the organization, not just Andrew likes bright, shiny, new drones, right? 
Um. <laughs> well, and, and, and also, I, I think the other the other side of things, and I'll give myself a plug here for the minute. I started this podcast with Penny Breslin, Strategy in the Virtual Controller, comes from a really phenomenal book called Strategy in the Fat Smoker by David Meister. And if you haven't read it, please go ahead and do it because what it basically says is we actually know what we need to do to to improve our business to improve our health to improve our whatevers but we get distracted by short-term shiny things uh, in and in and lose sight of what those longer-term goals are so it was really how do we get laser focused on what those long-term goals are and i think if that long-term goal is being embracing change or whatever then that's fantastic but, but I, I would always be, and, and make sure you are very intentional about that. But I would just always be worried about, yeah, we get distracted by this short term, shiny something, quick fix versus that long term goal. And and um, it's been really fascinating because talking about how do we avoid that distraction of this short term fix um, and, and be, be much more intentional about that long driving towards that long term goal day in, day out. Yeah. And I think also that's why, so part of our, our approach has been, so it's three apps and we have to, we decide as an organization, what are the areas that we need to work on? So is it, is it practice management? Is it accounts payable? Is it time and billing? So basically we, we come, we come to an agreement um, in the summer months. So we have, we have, um, we have a, a meeting rhythm. So we have you know, our daily standups, we have our weekly huddles, uh, we have our um, monthly milestones, and then we have our quarterly rocks, and then we have our annual strategy plan, right? So we, we figure out together, um, from a strategic standpoint, what is, what is it that the organization needs to work on? So it's, it's, it's change for the sake of change, but it's also driven by what are the needs of it, of, of the organization, not, hey, what app landed on my desk today that looks really interesting, which I have definitely fallen prone to. So now yeah, it's yeah. not just because Kelly happened to tell me that she's got this really cool app and I'm going to go spend five hours or five months diving into that app. It's we're, we're, we know we're limited to only three apps. So I can't look at every, every mm. app down there. And I, and so I that actually to, helps you. That actually helps help, you <laughs> laser focus. Yeah. Yeah. For me it does. And I'm not saying yeah. that this is the right approach, which is why I ask for your opinion on, on, on what you guys think of this approach. Um, and I think that to me, it's, it's, it's really critical for uh, one, I need to focus my, cause I am definitely ADD very easily distracted. So I, figure. Yeah. <laughs> for me, narrowing it to only three, Limiting it to three. That is, is that is pretty amazing, Andrew. Because I would say three. Right. That you know, yeah, you love your I, options, I whether it be and audio I, or toys or marketing tools. Yeah, well, I said apps, not te- not hardware. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> hardware doesn't count. Uh, hardware doesn't count. But also, like, there's other people in my organization who don't come as easily to change, and for them, three is like, holy crap, we got to implement yeah. three new products. What the fuck, Andrew? No, right? I have to ask admit, Andrew yeah. that your biggest critic is always going to be the big guy who started it all back in the day. And that's Andrew's dad, George, who, um, you know, he, I remember back in the day when Andrew and I used to walk around late at night and he'd be fretting about, you know, my dad just doesn't get what I'm trying <laughs> to accomplish. And, and once he did get it, he kind of swung the other way. And now he's super passionate, super excited. 
So Andrew, how how is George going to handle um, handle that? You think he'll still embrace it, or is he going to say, "Settle down, there, boy"? Uh, well, I mean, for better or worse, my dad has given me complete yes. full reign at this point. So he is very hands off. Um, he he does wish that he was more involved, um, but we have sort of an agreement. Like, look, until I fuck shit up, until I break it, <laughs> it's mine to play with, um, and you need to. And we've had to have lots of deep, dark conversations about like, look, I know you want the best for me. And, and that's all he wants. He wants to see me succeed. Yeah, and yeah, my dad has very, very big uh, visions. And, and from my dad's perspective, um, I could. He's been a successful he entrepreneur. Me, he knows he always, stuff, right? And he does. And he's done big things. And he always just thinks like, I'm capable of so much more, which is great to have someone who has so much confidence and faith in you. And whereas I'm much more pragmatic than my dad, I, you know, um, I grew up in a family where we went from the wealthiest neighborhood down to the poorest neighborhood, back up and down like a yo-yo. So as I tend to be a lot more um, conservative, although most people who know me wouldn't think of me as conservative, but compared to my father, you meet my father and I'm the conservative one of the two. So I'm more happy with slow and steady growth as long as we're moving the needle in the right direction, whereas he wants um, big, huge things. So he's he's he definitely is open to me exploring and playing with new technologies. And as long as um, I am still keeping him um, or still enabling him to contribute. Add value. <laughs> yeah. Well, he wants to, he wants to give back value too. Right. He, that's really important to him is to, to, to feel like um, he is contributing in a meaningful way. And that's the, that's the hard part we balance is because look, you're no longer the boss. You're no longer telling people what to do. How does he find his spot where he feels like he's got that control and the power um, without having the full control and power over the whole organization? And that's, and, that's well, so while we're on the topic of fathers um, and before we log off, Andrew, make sure to wish George a happy father's day on my behalf. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm very happy. Father's happy father's day. Father's day I will. Yeah. To, you, to you. It's, uh, yeah. It's you guys. Yeah. So, and, so I have a question for you on practice management though. And I think th this is where, I don't think most practitioners, most firm owners know that they've got a problem. I think they see it as a necessary evil that th this is just what happens. And so wait, you know what, if, if I've got uh, 30 days of debtors, then, then so be it. And it, it'll, it'll all work itself out. And, and I, I actually also think a lot of, for the most part, accountants are doing pretty well. So it's not a real pain point. So that's, that's where I sort of, struggle to not struggle but i think the adoption and uh, of of these practice management tools will take longer um than the client facing ones um so that so that's I, that's what i'm sort of curious about is is again this is probably that early majority rather than the, the probably the folks that are tuned in on today's um today's session but i think that's going to be a slower burn because i Certainly, I, I think there's a lot of education uh, around best practice when it comes to practice management technology, because previously it's just been this behemoth of of um, Thompson or, or CCH or, or whatever, and, and they were clunky and, and awful experiences, but it was just, it is what it is. Whereas, well, so I, I people I'm thought of practice management as just a time and billing system, right? Yeah, true. Yeah. You know, and, yeah. and, and, and no one really thought of it as, uh, workflow automation. I mean, mm. the, the, when the reason I built out 
my practice management on Infusionsoft is because when I started doing this, there was no practice management tool out there that offered workflow automation. So I had to take a CRM that gave you workflow automation and turn it into a practice management tool, which was amazing for like five years. And now I'm like, well, now, now the technology is caught up to where my thinking was five years ago. And I think you're right. Most people don't look at practice management as a tremendous opportunity. They see it as just a necessary evil to do what they're doing, not recognizing that there is massive, massive, massive potential. And I, I know I've, I've seen it myself in, first of all, and this is something that my dad did teach me early, early on is that, um, look, if you, if you want to have a business where you have multiple partners working in the practice um, and you're relying on them to manage the relationships with the clients, you can't just trust them to do that job. <laughs> you, you, you need to have a system in which you monitor and you follow up on that. Um, and what is that system going to look like? So where, where do you go for your regular reporting to make sure that files are moving, that production is, is effective and efficient, that billing is reasonable, uh, that write-offs are low, that collections are, are hopefully negative, like we have negative AR. Um, and, and I think not enough people are thinking that way. And, I, and they think they are thinking client-facing, oh, I can get some optimization, I can save some time um, by going to QBO or automating with Dext, um, not realizing there's so much in the actual process um, outside of like the accounting software that needs to be, um, or has the potential um, to be automated. And the potential is not only in saving time, but improving the experience for your customers. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I think that's exactly, and I think if you sort of, you brought this whole discussion to a perfect conclusion at the top of the hour, Andrew, yeah. that, that, that it's this He's realization this, that- isn't he? <laughs> that it's, you know what you're doing. There's method to the madness, who knew? Yeah. But you sort of, the, the 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 sort of the first frontier frontier so to speak was customer or customer experience 1.0 as chris sort of said was your qbo your dex receipt bank your your hub doc or whatever and and i think a lot of people thought well hang on what the hell does time and billing have to do with my client what does document management workflow these types of things how do i communicate what that's got nothing to do with my client but i i i think you are bang on the money in that this internal organization and restructuring and automation aspect of it has a profound impact on your client experience. And that's what differentiates you at the end of the day. Well, absolutely. We're, we're running a business. And if we don't create a business that we can run and manage from anywhere in the world, you know, on ideally that four hour work week schedule um, and, and have, you know, a culture and a team um, that are inspired to do a great job and have the tools at their fingertips to deliver a great experience for our customer, you cannot grow and scale a business. And that means that basically you'll only be as good as the amount of time and hours that you can put on on individual clients. And that's not certainly my vision of growth. And I know there are lots of people out there that are happy to be a one-man shop and, you know, have the clients that they work on. 
Um, but my vision has always been to have a team because I, you know, obviously I enjoy hanging out with people and, you know, I enjoy having a team of people, hopefully people that are a lot smarter than me working on my team, helping me to grow and succeed. And I think that the power um, of having a team is exponential because it's not, you know, one plus one is equal is greater than the sum of the parts, right? The, you know what I mean? I'm mixing my analogy. <laughs> that works. Get the point. Yeah. <laughs> we, we get what you're saying. <laughs> right yeah. on. I and, think we're and, there, Andrew. Yeah, it is. And on that, we are on the hour. Um, so Damien, I really appreciate you. Uh, yeah, that was a great, great conversation. It goes fast. No, Andrew, Brad, thank you very much for having me. Was, great um, catching yeah, up it was again. Like an hour is a long time, but geez, it flies, doesn't it? It really does. It, it so we we put the link in in the in the comments. Come hang out with us. Say hello to Damien. Hopefully, he'll stick around for a little bit. It is Saturday afternoon there, but he said the weather's terrible. So yeah, curl up with us. Um, yeah. Next week we have everyone's favorite. Tamitha Denye is going to be coming coming to us from uh, from Ontario. I uh, haven't seen Tam for a little while. Looking forward to that. And uh, Damien, it's always a pleasure um, to see you. Hopefully we get to do it for real in uh, 2022. Yeah. Come up for Scaling New Heights. Andrew I, and I are jonesing I don't think to get down there. Leave the country for a while. Not, not allowed to leave the country. So fingers crossed for a QuickBooks Connect. Or 2022 then. Yeah, who knows? And, and maybe QuickBooks connect down under. Who knows? We'll, we'll see yeah. what happens. <laughs> that would be awesome. Bye for now, everybody.